There's no handbook for your child's health, but we do have a podcast featuring world-class clinical and research physicians covering everything from your child's allergies to zinc levels. Welcome to Kids HealthCast by Weill Cornell Medicine. I'm Melanie Cole, and joining me today is Dr. Alexander Chow. He's an assistant attending pediatrician, New York Presbyterian Hospital, Weill Cornell Medical Center, and an assistant professor of pediatrics at Weill Cornell Medical College, Cornell University. And he's here to tell us about his approaches to treating and caring for children with cancer. Dr. Chow, thank you for joining us again today. I'd like to jump right in with the first question, is there any way to prevent cancer in children? Can you tell us about any possibilities of preventing cancers in children or might genetic testing be a route to, at the very least, alerting a family to the possibility or risk of pediatric cancer? Hi, it's really great to join you today to talk a little bit about these things. I think, in general, there's very few ways that we can prevent cancers in kids. The one thing that I really want parents and patients to really understand is that there's nothing that you did or didn't do that causes a child to have cancer. For the most part, we don't know why kids' cancers happen. In adult cancers, there have been links to things like tobacco smoking and alcohol consumption and other environmental exposures. But in children, that's not the case. And so I would never want any parent try to think that they could have done something or should have done this or not done that whenever they're diagnosed with cancer. And so there's not really a lot that we can do to prevent cancers in general in kids. Now, you brought up the idea of genetic testing. I think that we've made strides in terms of understanding some of the genetic components to why cancers happen. And The most recent studies point to the fact that maybe up to about 10% of kids' cancers might have an underlying hereditary risk associated with it, meaning that some of these cancers, and it's a fairly small number, 10% or so, where there is a gene that may be inherited that may have predisposed these kids to developing cancer. Now, I don't advocate for genetic testing as a whole for a healthy child, but I think that if a child is diagnosed with cancer, what we can do is see if there might be one of those genes that's present that may have contributed to the cancer. And then from there, that can help us not only take care of the child, but also take care of the family and to think through some of the ramifications of what that means. I think that we work very closely with our genetic counselors and our geneticists in order to provide that information for our families. Well, thank you for letting us know about that, Dr. Chow. How do you address the fears of patients and their parents once they've been diagnosed? Because I think that that is really the crux of helping patients and parents get through a cancer diagnosis. I'd like you to speak about how you address their fears and also your philosophy of care for these children. How are you qualified uniquely to care for these children and their parents during a time that's considered to be one of their biggest fears come true? The message that I always try to lead with any kid who's been diagnosed with cancer and to tell their families, I think, is that there is hope. There's hope for cure. There's hope for beating this disease once and for all. I think one of the great advances in medicine of the last, not just the last 50 years, but the last 10 years, is how we've been able to take 
cancers that were previously considered incurable and make them curable. And if you look at the latest statistics for pediatric cancers, over 80 to 90 percent of all childhood cancers are curable. Now, that doesn't make it easy to do, and certainly we understand that children and their families go through a lot in the pursuit for cure. But I think that the hope is there that we work towards curing every patient that we see of their cancer. And now, in terms of my philosophy of care, I've been doing this for a long time now, and I've taken care of kids with cancer in several different institutions with a variety of different resources. And the thing that I like to stress in the way I think about taking care of children and their families is that each patient is different, and we want to take care of each patient individually. And my philosophy of care really centers around several different concepts or ideas, the first of which is being compassionate. The care that we deliver, the care I hope to deliver to all of these kids is a compassionate one where we take into account patients' preferences, we take into account their specific situations, both medically as well as emotionally and spiritually and psychologically. Another tenet is the idea of being holistic in the way we take care of these kids. I work with a big team of people, nurse practitioners, physicians, nurses, child life specialists, social workers, work with others in other specialties. We all come together to take care of the child. And our job is to not just cure them of their cancer, but also take care of the rest of them, because we know that even though cancer may affect a specific part of their body, we know that it touches on so many other parts of not just their lives, but also their lives. And the other big tenet that I hold on to is to be data-driven, to be informed by the most recent results, the most up-to-date techniques. And I think that while Cornell Medicine and all the subspecialties that we have, especially in pediatrics, allows for that kind of individualized, compassionate, holistic, and data-driven care that I think all patients should get. Well, that's certainly an area that while Cornell excels at is that patient-driven care. And I'd like you to expand for just a minute, Dr. Chow, on how you help the families emotionally, psychosocially, with those complications and even physically, because you did mention just briefly, you know, this is for kids, they're growing, they're going through puberty, they're going to school, they're doing all of these things. There's a social life they want to have, but also maybe they're in chemo, maybe they're in any kind of treatment that affects their appearance or the way that they feel. What are some of the things that while Cornell Medicine does to go above and beyond to help those families with that portion of a diagnosis like this? That's a very important part of how we get patients to be better. What I'm really proud of is the team that we've assembled here in pediatric hematology and oncology for the care of these kids. None of us can do this alone, and we certainly rely upon different subspecialists here at Wall Cornell Medicine. We have the entire gamut, the entire range of medical subspecialties that are necessary to care for any child, not just with cancer, but with any other illness that might affect them. But I think just as importantly, we have a team of social workers, child life specialists, even teachers, chaplains, and other support members, and even former patients who will come around a family, a child, and help them go through what is arguably one of the hardest times in their lives. 
And we do this knowing that different patients will have different needs, and we will tailor it to whatever the family needs are at the moment. Well, I think that's such an important point, is what they need at the moment. And that's really such a help, especially when you talk, Dr. Chow, about the multidisciplinary approach. Tell us a little bit about the services that help so that parents don't have to run around from place to place to place with their kids, because that really adds to that toll that it takes on families if they have to go to 10 different places in a week, but really when they can do everything at Wild Cornell Medicine. Yeah, I think that's certainly one of the advantages. One of the reasons why I really love working here with the team at Wild Cornell is that we have every pediatric subspecialty that is necessary for us to take care of these kids. So we have specialists in heart diseases, cardiac diseases, as well as infectious diseases, lung diseases, liver diseases, all of these different areas where I know that the chemotherapy that I administer might affect them. And so we can easily have patients be seen in one visit by multiple subspecialties on the same floor even, and so that patients don't have to worry about making appointments here and there. We also have people such as our social workers and child life specialists and physical therapists. They're all here at the main campus. So they will actually come to outpatient visits. They'll come to the inpatient visits so that much of the care that we deliver is actually right here and will come to you to make sure that we can at least take the stress off of the traveling part. But knowing that the subspecialties that we have here, the different services, are world-class people who are taking care of these patients and their families. And that's such a wonderful approach for these families that are just going through so much. As we wrap up, Dr. Chow, I'd like you to reiterate how a diagnosis does not necessarily mean the worst for children. I'd like you to speak about some of the exciting things happening in the world of pediatric oncology and on the horizon, what you see, think, or hope will happen, and about how there is really a lot of hope in a child's cancer diagnosis and what you see going on in the future. Yeah, I think that's probably the one thing that I try to have patients and parents understand when they first come. I mean, no one really wants to see an oncologist (laughs) ever. But in kids, what ends up happening is what we know is there is such hope for these patients and their families. So, for example, we know more and more about the biology behind some of the cancers that these kids get. And because of that, we can individualize patients' therapy plans based on specifically a child's given tumor. And so that not only means the kinds of medicines that we can use, whether it's chemotherapy or immunotherapy, and we have lots of different new agents being developed in those realms, but also things like surgery and radiation therapy. So those are other things that some children with cancer will need to have in order for patients to be cured. And we have evolving techniques, evolving ways of adapting some of those techniques specifically to kids in surgery where they're using minimally invasive types of techniques to improve recovery time and minimize the pain that kids go through. Then we have newer radiation techniques that minimize the kind of potential damage that can occur to surrounding normal tissues when we are trying to target specific tumor tissues. And then we have ways of personalizing the kinds of medications, whether it is traditional chemotherapy or some of the newer agents that we have, like immunotherapy agents, 
for these kids with cancer. So we utilize the entire gamut of treatment modalities, as we call them, to help every child with cancer. Certainly a lot of advancements, and it's moving quickly, and really we know that we're going to see some really positive things on the horizon, and thank you so much, Dr. Chow, for joining us today and sharing your expertise. And while Cornell Medicine continues to see our patients in person, as well as through video visits, and you can be confident of the safety of your appointments at Weill Cornell Medicine. That concludes today's episode of Kids HealthCast. We'd like to invite our audience to download, subscribe, rate, and review Kids HealthCast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. For more health tips, go to wildcornell.org and search podcasts. And don't forget to check out our Back to Health. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for joining us today. Back to Health is your source for the latest in health, wellness, and medical care for the whole family. Our team of world-renowned physicians at Weill Cornell Medicine are having in-depth conversations covering trending health topics, wellness tips, and medical breakthroughs. With the spotlight on our collaborative approach to patient care, the series will present cutting-edge treatments, innovative therapies, as well as real-life stories that will answer common questions for both patients and their caregivers. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, don't forget to rate us five stars. All information contained in this podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes. The information is not intended nor suited to be a replacement or substitute for professional medical treatment or for professional medical advice relative to a specific medical question or condition. We urge you to always seek the advice of your physician or medical professional with respect to your medical condition or questions. While Cornell Medicine makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this podcast, and any reliance on such information is done at your own risk. Participants may have consulting, equity, board membership, or other relationships with pharmaceutical, biotech, or device companies unrelated to their role in this podcast. No payments have been made by any company to endorse any treatments, devices, or procedures. And while Cornell Medicine does not endorse, approve, or recommend any product, service, or entity mentioned in this podcast, opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speaker and do not represent the perspectives of Weill Cornell Medicine as an institution.